I was raised with the Mexican side of my family, which means my mom didn't listen to a lot of rap. She didn't allow us to ha- listen to rap wild, right? So I listened to a lot of like Tejano music and country music and shit that like told stories. Like I remember being young and my mom's like, listen to this. And at the end of it, she's like, what was it about? And I'm like, a child dying with, you know, like she just loved putting music in us that told stories so that's what i'm grateful for growing up with country music you know how country music just fucking tells stories you know this is musicians can thrive a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry musicians audio engineers managers producers booking agents everyone across all niches welcome My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. Mama Duke is a gifted storyteller and a rap artist capable of giving J. Cole a run for his money. I say that because he's one of my favorite rappers, so I'm familiar with most of his work. But honestly... You could name any number of artists, and Mama Duke would bring some fierce competition. I got lucky and found Mama Duke and her music because a friend of mine turned me on to her. His name is Harvest Lewis, and he's an artist manager here in Austin with excellent taste. From the day I first explored Mama Duke's Instagram page, I knew she was something special. An engaging entertainer who pulls you in with a tantalizing story her warmth and humor when you over as a ride-or-die fan within three videos or less. That's amazing. Well, it makes a lot of sense how your music has such a storytelling quality to it then, because no wonder. So how did you get from growing up with Tejano and country music to being a rap artist then? Wow, right? Damn. Like, where do... Where it, is, do f- it is wild. <laughs> Or do I even fucking start? Okay. Um, so while we weren't allowed to listen to rap, I would say artists like, you know, like Nelly, like Nelly back in the day, like singing stuff like, andele, andele, mommy, yeah, yeah, uh oh. Like my mom started to allow us to listen to clean rap, you know? Okay. Yeah. So then it was like, oh shit. And then being black, you know, it's, it's just in you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so being at school and, and people would beat on the door and it was just, it's, it's in me. It was like, yeah, you could be raised uh, to listen to a certain kind of music, but as a black woman, you know, you just gravitate towards rap. It just tells our stories the best. It, it is us. It is in our DNA. So I think there wasn't like a pivotal moment where I was like, I now listen to, you know what I'm saying? It was just like my mom kind of started letting me listen to a little bit. And then it was like, you know, you get a teenager and then your mom can't tell you shit. I mean, she can, (laughs) but you know what I mean? She can't can't tell you shit when she's not around you, you know? Horses out of the gate. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. So it sounds like you've just always had this love for music and this passion for it. I really did. I really did. I love that. It's one of my favorite things to learn about musicians, actually, because some of them, they do just have that thing and they don't really know where it comes from. And they just have always, as long as they can remember, had this desire to make music and have that be a part of their world and other people find their way into it a little bit more sort of in like a roundabout way. So 
It's right? fun hearing the story. Cause it's like, I have nobody in my family that does music. Really? Not a, not a, not a good, not a fiddle, not a flute, <laughs> <laughs> not a nothing, you know? So I think it's wild thinking back and being like, wow, like how music has always been a part of my life, but I didn't know you could do it. You know, like, sure, I rapped with my friends, but I didn't know you could do it. I didn't, I thought it was something that happened in the TV and I, nobody around me did it. Like, sure, you did music class, but that our teacher didn't even have a story of somebody that they knew, you know? (laughs) So it was like, it was just a world that I didn't know I was going to be a part of. Yeah. Man, so how did you get to the point where either you knew it was a possibility or you just decided this is what I want from my life to build a career as a musician? So when I was like 14, it's when like my mom started letting me use the computer more and you could like burn CDs and like mm-hmm. you, where you can buy accessories for your computer, like a little mic you know, shit like that. So I remember my mom bought this little bitty microphone. I mean, like the size of my pinky, a little bitty microphone. And I, and I had a program where you could import a instrumental and you could rap on it. And it was horrible quality. But I remember being, I remember connecting the dots like, oh shit, that's my voice on the music. Burn it to CD, put it in my car. Boom. Now, you know, it so you were just, making like OG mixtapes. Yes. Like still have CDs, like selling my, like I was it's, looking back. It's crazy. Cause like I would, I would do like three songs, three bullshit little songs. Right. And put them on a CD and sell them for $5 at school. And, and I remember like looking back, I'm like, bruh, was I just a low key hustler though? <laughs> like it sounds at, like it <laughs> at 14 and 15. Like I was, I, it's crazy. That's where it started for me. I really admire that you had the courage to do that at 14 years old. You see, like when your mom accepts you and all that you are, um, I really, 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 really owe everything to my mom. Because my mom told me I was gay at like 13, 14. So like when she opened that world for me and, and accepted me, it was like, okay, that just knocked out every part of my life where I felt insecure in any room. Mm. So now I had the courage to like, when the teacher came up to me, I was like, don't hold your girlfriend's hand. I'm like, well, you don't say anything to them. Is it because they're a boy and girl? You know, I had that voice. So I think when like my mom accepted me, opened all fucking doors in my life to be like, hold up, I can do this. And why can't I do this? You know? So Mm -hmm. that that was a huge gift she gave me at like 14 years old. Yeah, I can see how that would really diminish any insecurity you had about people listening to something that you created. Yeah. So because you are a queer artist and human being, would you like to share a little bit about that? Yeah. um, Again, my mom told me I was gay. I remember pulling up to school and she would drop me off. It was like right before you could like drive to school, right? And my mom <laughs> dropped me off, dropped me off. And my little girlfriend was like always waiting for me. And my mom was like, Do you like her, huh? And I was like, No. She was like, Yeah, you do. I was like, I really don't. Like, <laughs> like I don't. She goes, Yeah, you do. And I just got out of the car. I was like, get the, I wanted to just get the fuck out of there. All day I'm thinking about it like, fuck, like, what am I going to do? Because I've, you know, I grew up in a really small town. It's like 5,000 people, 
3% black people. I graduated with high school with like four black people. Two of them were my cousins, like a really small fucking little bitty conservative town. Mm-hmm. So, so the people that did come out, my friends got, got hit, got beat, got, got, you can't do this anymore. You can't do that. I, I you know, you're going to church with me on, you know, if I, there's just horrible stories. And even though I'm, I have like a gay uncle and my mom was okay with it, it still changes the game when you are gay. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember all day, I'm like, fuck, like can't eat, can't, you know? So I get home. My mom didn't say anything about it. I was like, thank fucking God. So I go to sleep and I'm, I'm laying down and there's like a, a note under my pillow. And I'm like, fuck, I'm getting kicked out. Like, I just remember being like, what is in this letter? And I wish I still fucking had it to this day. I probably do somewhere, but it, it basically was saying, if you're not hurting anybody, you're not bringing drugs in my house. You're not, you're not doing anything bad. You can be whoever the fuck you want to be. So that was just like, whoa, that just, that was a pivotal moment in my life for your mother to say, I don't care. It's all good. Don't hurt anybody. That's big. So yeah, I've always been able to be this loud ass chick, you know? I love it. What a powerful way to just help you feel grounded in yourself. Right. Man, your mama's awesome. Hell yeah. Like she is really, and you know, we've had our ups and downs. It's like, again, she's, she's my Mexican mother. So like, you know, exploring the, I don't know. I don't know. Like we've, we've had our ups and downs too. Like my mom is every fucking thing, but we both come a long way, you know? Yeah. I think it's also a pretty quintessential thing for mothers and their children to have. Right. All so kinds again. of challenges. <laughs> oh my God, right? Because it's like, you are that. I am my mother, but I don't want to be my mother. But I love my mother. You know what I'm saying? It's like this one yeah. big like revolving door. Absolutely. Damn. Well, Before I move on to my next question, I just want to say it is such a pleasure to get to talk to you and hear your stories. And since Harvest introduced me to you, I've been keeping up with you on Instagram and I just really admire the person that you are and all the different kinds of art that you create. So. I appreciate that. I didn't even know Harvest linked you. That's dope. Shout out to Harvest, his birthday. He's a Leo. What's your sign? I'm a Capricorn. Hey, okay. I just like putting people in boxes. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of that is not lost on me. (laughs) That's really cool. Um, So I saw that, I mean, obviously Austin's not the small, tiny town that you grew up in. Right. So you made the choice to move to Austin to pursue music. Right. That's a pretty sort of quintessential moment in the journey of a musician. You know, you either choose to move somewhere or you choose to stay where you are. And so I'd love to know what your experience was like with moving to Austin as the quote live music capital of the world. So from from high school, just I'm going to just do a quick timeline because it's I feel like it's a long one. So boom, high school. Um, for like a year and a half, didn't know what the fuck I want to do. All of my friends are in college, right? I'm like, what do I want to do? Hmm. I'm going to go to the army because I don't know what to do, right? So I, I go to MEPS. Um, I, I get, um, 
I passed the waiver. I get weighed in. I get swore in. I did everything but get on the fucking bus. Like you can't, they do not own you until you get on the bus. Well, like two weeks before I was supposed to go, before I was supposed to go to uh, basic training, my mom just did not want me to go. She was like, look, go to, go with your uncle um, in Houston and just go. I don't know what he wants to do. He's just, and I knew, I knew they were trying to convince me not to go, right? Um, which my heart was torn. Like, I don't want to fucking go to the army, but all of my friends are in college. I don't know what the fuck else I want to do with my life type shit. Um, mm. Again, I didn't have any role models to be like, oh, you can do this. I had no role models around me. So I kind of was stagnant, went to my uncle's and he was like, yo, look, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life, whether you got paid or not, what would it be? And I said, photography. And he was like, well, why don't you go to the Art Institute? We'll, you know, get you a little tour going and like go tour the campus and see if you like it. Like there's no pressure, but if you like it, you like it. You don't, you don't. But when I went, it was just like a new world for me. I was like, oh my God, people look like artists. I saw more black people. It was like, oh my God, my hair, my lips, my people, my... I saw, you know, gay people. It was just like, what the fuck is this? So obviously I'm like, yo, I want to go to the Art Institute for photography, right? Like, <laughs> so my uncle had um, and two apartments in the same apartment complex. And one he had with his wife and another he had for like business in his office, right? So he was like, why don't you just come stay in the apartment, go to school, um, you can use one of my cars and... Yeah, you put you you get a job, you make payments on the car, finish out my payments, you can have the car. It was just like this like too good to be fucking true. So I moved to Houston. I went to school um for about f- 3 years. Obviously, I was an art school dropout. Like ain't nobody get no goddamn f- degree in photography, especially when you start making money. It's like, man, I'm not I'm not getting a degree in this and they're paying me this, right? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck am I going to get a degree in photography for? So Um, yeah, I did photography for a while and then realized that photography was a like and not a love and that I loved music. And I had a cousin that lived in Austin and she was like, yeah, like just funny, like just playing around. She was like, why don't you come, um, to Austin and pursue music? I'm like, and then I like, just, I just like thought in my head, like I keep thinking like as a kid, like I see myself as a kid with big dreams saying like my dreams are in Austin. I want to move to Austin and be a musician. Like it was very bold of me. I just picture me being in this little apartment smoking weed like, yeah, I'm going to go be a rapper. You know, like <laughs> that's what I want to do. And I did that shit. So that's the timeline like squeezed in. It, did, it wasn't always music. I knew that I wanted to do music since I was 14 years old. Life didn't allow me to. I did photography. Uh, my, my camera paid my bills for a little bit. And then I was like, this doesn't bring me joy anymore. anymore. Music fulfills me. Music gives me that. It makes me confident. Photography is like, okay, here's your pictures. Happy birthday or happy wedding or whatever. But like music, it was like when I showed somebody a song and they vibed with it, I was like, oh man, I can't match that. So that I just, I've been chasing that itch forever. Mm. That really resonates with me. Oh, I'm glad. (laughs) Well, I feel like part of the challenge with finding your way as a musician is finding ways to get started to take the leap and then once you've taken the leap to make money from it so that you can keep doing it and not put that time into other things right so I really admire how you explored photography and you know it did pay the bills for a while and then 
you realized, okay, there's something else that I want to focus on. Like, even if photography is still a passion, there's something else that I'd rather put my time towards. A hundred percent. So just out of curiosity, because, you know, there is kind of this idea out there that either you have to be a starving artist slaving away at your art, or you have a quote day job because, you know, you haven't been able to support yourself with music 100% yet. And just trying to figure out how to get away from both of those things and I guess the point I'm trying to make is I feel like some artists are really ashamed about needing to have a day job before they're able to make a full-time income off music. Right. And so I would just love to know like sort of your perspective on making money from music and how you've navigated that personally. So we all in everybody that does music can make, a living off of music, right? But it's it comes. I don't know how to explain it. Like, um, I could make a living off of my music, but I don't want to starve like that. And I, you're right. There is this like, oh, you have a nine to five, so you're not really, str- you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I need a nine to five. Like, I like to be, I like to be swimming fine, not swimming against the current. So while my music could pay my bills. I like to live a little better than average, you know, mm-hmm. like I, so I need that nine to five. There's no shame in fucking having a nine to five residual income and all c- different kinds of income. Like I do virtual fucking garage sales on my Instagram. Like I'm always thinking about ways to make a money. There should be no shame ever in how you get money. If it's not hurting anybody going back to what my mom said, you know what I'm saying? Like if you ain't hurting no goddamn body, then you know, I think you. I think artists or people in general. It's 2020. You need five different incomes. God damn it. You need <laughs> right. <laughs> you know you you need to be constantly thinking about your next dollar and and not to even look at it like a hungry for money thing, but just like a you need to have your hand in multiple things to just be successful. Like you know, mm-hmm. you just need to try out everything. Like right now, I'm I'm doing this songwriting camp. And I was kind of apprehensive about it because I'm a rapper, you know, I rap, hip hop, trap, R&B, that's me, you know, but now I'm doing things for sync, which needs to be clean music, which needs to be a little bit more general, which means sometimes I have to talk about a boy and write music for, (laughs) for, you know, write music for women. Like, and, and I could say, you know, I could say, no, that's just not shit. What you need me to write? about because I got you know like just open your mind to just like new fucking things you know yeah well because all those different streams of income coming together make you more resilient a hundred percent I'm glad to hear that you have that perspective because I I mean just to be completely honest as I've been producing this podcast I've interacted with all kinds of musicians most of them in Austin a few of them just friends or mentors that I've had across the U.S. and so many of them either still have a day job that is not glamorous let's say so like maybe they're working in a restaurant or they work in telecommunications or something and then there's other musicians who 
their day job is audio engineering or something else related to the music industry. And I feel like just being able to embrace those other spheres and think less of like, ugh, I hate this. How do I get rid of it? And more of like, okay, so how can this help me be a better musician and a better creator? It just, it sets you up for success. I met Harvey at the coffee shop I work at. And this is a full circle just right now. Like, I worked at a coffee shop, met Harvest, and now he introduced you to me, and now you're interviewing me. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) That's pretty badass. Yeah, that's pretty badass. So I could look at my coffee job and be like, I hate fucking making lattes, which I fucking did. But you go into that world, and, and you have that... We put we put shitty things on on great. I don't know how to explain it. Like our attitude matters, yo. Attitude matters. Do I want to come make fucking coffee in a predominantly white cafe? Fuck no. I would rather be next door at Music Lab with my homies cranking out hits, right? But you know what? It wasn't that fucking bad. I got a lot of opportunities in there so I could walk in that place and be like, oh, I'm the only black girl in the room, which isn't okay, you know? But I didn't go into that looking at that. I didn't go into it like, oh, damn, I don't really know. It's like, nah, you know what I'm saying? How can I make my presence bigger here? What can I do here? So what's crazy is I ran an online hip hop show in the back of the cafe. And I recorded at the music lab. So it was like the coffee shops right next door at St. Elmo. I worked at, um, we won't even plug them because they, you know, <laughs> it's not even worth it. Uh, but um, yeah, like I ran my online hip hop show in the back of my job. See? Do you know what uh, I'm saying? I love it. So are you talking about ATX Social Club? I am. I would love to know how you started that. Okay, so... I'll damn I, I have to half of me is like plug them the other half is don't there is this company <laughs> do whatever you like gotta it. do <laughs> yeah, yeah fuck fuck a free promo god damn it there was this company um it was a production like they did the same thing I did but with just bands so I reached out to them which I do everybody in the city because I have to get myself booked and the way I get myself booked is I'm like yo I see there's not a lot of um women on the lineup Yo, I see there's not, you don't have, you don't really do a lot of rap, do you? What's up with that? Not as that aggressive, but that's how I get my foot in the door. Ain't no females on your bill. What's up? Ain't no, you know, ain't no hip hop. What's good? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I hit them up and I was like, yo, y'all don't have any, you know, do y'all do rap shows? They're like, well, from the outside looking in, uh, we don't look like we do that. So people don't hit us up. We don't hit up nobody. People hit us up. And I'm like, cool. If I arrange a hip hop lineup, can we run something? They're like, yeah. So boom, we did it. It was fucking amazing. Full production. It was uh, live streamed in real time. There was a chat room. So when I'm performing, there's a chat log and I can talk to people live. It was just some different shit. So I asked the guy that ran it. I was like, yo, how do I be a part of this? And he's like, just show up. Like, just show up. So I showed up. They had me on lights. And then they had me working the switchboard and shit like that. And then one night I'm doing the lights. And the host of the show goes, hey, I'm going to run to the restroom. Will you introduce this next band? I was like, fuck no. Like, what you mean? It's live. Hell no. He was like, but the way he like downplayed it, he was like, it's not that serious. But if you don't want to, that's cool. In my head, in my head I was like, challenge accepted. Bitch. <laughs> you know, I was like, hell no. Hell no. I ain't going out like that. So I was like, boom, I got over my nerves. I did it. 
And uh, he was like, yo, why don't you do this? Like, why don't you do a hip hop show on our channel? Like, maybe we give you the last Wednesday of every month and you can run your hip hop show. And I was like, say less. So they allowed me to just completely rebrand and do my own thing. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I don't want to be, I don't want to call myself what, I, I mean, I appreciate it and we'll be under your umbrella, but I want my own platform. So that's why, that's when I came up with ATX Social Club. So we got the last Wednesday of every month and I booked a hip hop show and hosted it. Wow. That's badass. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yo, if you give me a little bit, I'm going to take a lot and, and respectively, you know? Yeah. I can see how also it helped you lift up other musicians in the local Austin community who needed help. Yeah. And it just gave, what's crazy about hip hop is rapping hip hop is the most listened to genre in the world, in the fucking world, but we have the least. Why is that? You know, like, why is that? So it's, it was cool to get, the opportunity, even if it was one Wednesday out of the month to show my people, hey, look what we can do, you know, look what we can be a part of. You know, it was cool that that we gave them all of their footage for free. All they had to do was tag us. It was no pay to play. It was no nothing. I threw I did a cipher at the end. It got the city to come in and be able to get some camera time. And it was just it was just really fucking cool. Mm. Yeah. And I can see how it also probably helped you build your own audience for your own music because people got to see your face and hear your name. Hell yeah. So now everybody that's on the show, the footage that you post has me in it because I introduced you. You know, I saw it as like an opportunity to be like, I'm helping people, but I'm also helping myself. Like I'm helping people brand and I'm helping myself, you know, and it allowed me to be comfortable on camera, like talking to you right now. Like I haven't always been able to just maneuver like this, but when you're live and you have to, you know, you can ask somebody, um, who's your favorite artist? Somebody could use that for 10 minutes and tell you their backstory of their favorite. And so somebody or somebody could be like, Drake. And you have to just improv and shit and feeling shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. That, so that helped me a lot. Well, that makes a lot of sense now because I was very impressed from the moment I found out who you were by how consistently you show up on, I mean, Instagram is like the primary place where I keep track of musicians. And so that's where I've seen most of your content. But you show up pretty much every day with videos and you're engaging with people and you have a audience that is responsive to you and that's one of the hardest things to create so it's just so impressive that you've built that for yourself I appreciate that shit because I you know I'm just a big believer in authenticity and I think as we get older and like of course all this shit's going on in the world you just there's a line you're either authentic or you're not or you're kind or you're not or you're open or you're not there's no like middle i think we're craving just to relate more than ever cuz the world is fucked up right now so if i get on instagram and i know that you know Gabrielle is that girl that's just like true to herself it doesn't matter what lifestyle you lead it's like, okay, cool. There's somebody else that's just trying and she's going through it too. Fuck yeah. Okay, let me get on my shit, you know? Yeah. We've made it about halfway through the show and we're going to have a quick pause. 
Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. My day job is actually in marketing. And one of my favorite things to do is, it's more just like in my free time right now, but I notice a lot of parallels between the world of marketing and how musicians can find ways to really build something for themselves that doesn't depend on someone else saying, yes, you can play on my stage and I will pay you X amount of money for this night or you know, like a record label saying, yeah, we think you're good enough. Here's the deal, you know? Right. And so in marketing, there's this idea that if you find the people that you uniquely are trying to serve, because if you just try to be everything for everybody, you're so generic and bland that nobody's going to really resonate with you. And so if you carry that over to music and being able to really lean into who you truly are as an artist, then people in your audience can see that and they can relate to you and connect with you because they know that you have this thing about you that, you know, some other artists, they're not the same. And I just feel like particularly as there is so much music out there in the world right now, which is wonderful, but how do you break through the noise? Well, be yourself. And and don't get me wrong, that shit is hard as fuck. Like, I'm in a male-dominated industry. I'm a, you know what I'm saying? I'm queer. I pull up to these functions with my gal, with my wife, you know? Like, it's hard to be yourself in a room full of snakes. And not that everybody's snakes. I mean, like, uh, uh, hip-hop is a very braggadocious sport. It's a very, look at me, I ain't worried about you. I don't even care if you're good. I'm not even going to tell you you're good. That's how, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. sh- I, I'm in that sport. So it's hard to walk in with my girl and get a, you follow me, you follow me on Instagram, bruh, but you giving me this stank face and then to remain yourself, it's hard because I want to fight too. Then you you raise my fucking energy up and I want to marinate in the energy you're marinated in. So it is <laughs> I just I just want to say out loud that it is hard to be yourself when there's people around you that test you every fucking day. So I don't want anybody to see me and be like, "Oh, it's so hard. It's so easy to be her." You know, I'm like it's easy to be me. It's like, "Nah, I just make this shit look good." I'm I'm <laughs> you make it you know, look damn good. <laughs> Like I'm fighting every day under this. You know what I mean? I've just emotionally always been intelligent emotionally, not anywhere, any, in any part, any part else I'm still struggling, but like emotionally I've been able to just gather. What am I really feeling? What am I really thinking? What do I really want to say? You know? Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate the challenges of walking into a, male dominated venue or lineup and 
really command people's attention so that they don't dismiss you. Because I imagine it is very easy for them to look at a woman in hip hop and just go, eh, she doesn't yeah. know what she's doing. And if you're a queer woman, I imagine that's probably right. more. And then my gal's pretty. So you really hate me. <laughs> she's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at the beginning it was really hard for me because you can see it on my face when you're insecure it's easy for people to get over on you when you stand in your confidence. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a little harder to be shook, you know? So mm-hmm. I think now it's easier at the beginning, how I got through that shit is to just settle in my uncomfortableness. What am I feeling? I mean, now I can articulate what the fuck I was feeling. Like, don't get me wrong. When it was happening, I wasn't like, what am I feeling right now? Like, nah, like, <laughs> energy was really high, you know? But I think ultimately knowing that, my music was better. Really knowing that, that it's not me. You looking at me like that, but it's not me. That has everything to say about you and not me. I'm a, I'm a woman and you feel like that. I'm not even that kind of person. And you feel like that. Like I don't even walk in, walk in with a limp and my girl on my arm and I got bitch. Like, it's not even like that. I walk in just being myself and it makes you do that. So I know that has everything to do with you, nothing to do with me. Now my music backs my shit up. Now when I walk in a room, I don't even see you looking at me like that, you know? Mm, Yeah. So it's all good now. (laughs) You just put into practice. I just put into practice. And, And again, people don't know what's going on on the inside. You know, I've built this shell around me, like the way I talk and the, you're getting this aggressive woman. Cause I have a chip on my shoulder. I've had to prove myself took my whole fucking life. When I first started doing music, my older brother was like, well, maybe you shouldn't say that you're gay because I mean, name one gay hip hop artist. You have to look and see um, who's made it before you, you know? And I could have right then been like, you're right. Let me start. I was like, nah, I'm going to be the first one. What you talking about? (laughs) I love that. You know, like you think there's none. I'm like, I can be the first one, you know? Mm -hmm. So so I've had that energy in me again, going back to my mom. My mom said I could do whatever I want. Then I can do whatever I want. Having that kind of belief in you is so empowering. Fuck yeah. So a few of the artists that I've made friends with in Austin and interviewed for Musicians Can Thrive have described to me how some venues in Austin say if you're an indie rock band, they will pay you to play on their stage. But if you are a hip hop act or a rapper, then sometimes they will ask you to pay them to play on their stage. I believe it. So I would just love to hear a little bit about your experience booking shows in Austin and playing here in this city that is now your home. Well, luckily, when I first moved here, I had no idea about anything, you know. I I never hit a stage and didn't get paid, even if it was $25. Like somebody put in my ear when I was, you know, when I was just starting out, like, bro, you had to, you had to drive there. You had to part, pay for parking. You have to wait there all your time. Like you got to get something right. So I think now I'm blessed and privileged that I've kind of talked my way into 
the position I'm in, I would never, ever, ever pay to play. I don't care what it is, who it is, when it is, you know, I'm sure that fucking happens. I mean, hip hop, like I said, we're the most listened to genre and it's like, where we at though? You know, because these venues see black people and they think of, um, they think of extra security, (laughs) you know, they think of what could happen or what is it, you know, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm blessed to be booked. There's not a lot of people that look like me. So they call me, you know, Mm. there's not a lot of people that sound like me. So they call me, there's not a lot of people that could, you know what I'm saying? So I don't live in the world anymore where I even have to think of things like that. Like how I would never touch a fucking stage just because I know what I come with. I know that I come with 50 automatic people, no matter where we are. I know I come with that. So why the fuck what I pay you, like, I don't even want to hear the numbers. No, pay me. But I didn't always have that confidence. Like somebody was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars to play. I didn't even negotiate. Okay. Now I'm like, if you if you're going to give me 400, what could I get? If the first offer was a hundred, what can I get? Or what do I deserve? You know? I think that's one of the biggest challenges for musicians, just trying to figure out how to ask for what they're worth when they're getting started. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I still have that as a black person. And I keep saying that because I just want everyone to know who isn't black listening to this, that we're built to make you comfortable. We are built to not look greedy because we already know you think we are. We are built to please, you know, I don't want to be the loud black girl in the room. I don't want you to think I'm that loud black girl in the room. Now I'm coming with a different energy. It's a little different now where it's like, oh, okay. I'm not making myself smaller for anybody. You know who you, 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 when you reached out to mama Duke, you must know who I am, you know, and not even on no cocky shit, but just, it's like, I feel like more than ever, I am marinated in my confidence for, you know, as a woman, we got to just, you know, make sure you don't, you know, too loud because the men really are going to think that you're, you know, and then as mm-hmm. a queer woman, a queer woman, you're like, they're like, okay, you can be gay, but don't be like, you don't have to just be like gay, gay. And then it's like, you could be black, but like, don't be like that kind of black. And it's just like all these fucking things. It's like, now I can look somebody in the eye and not feel like, oh my God, can- will you pay me this? Or like, oh man, was that too much? And of course I'll talk to my girl. I'll tell, I'll tell my price to somebody in an email and I'll tell my girl like, babe, was that a lot? And she's like, nah, fuck no. And then my girl gives me the confidence. I'm like, you're right. I should have asked for more. God damn it. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can really appreciate how that, I mean, not to use the same words over again, but it's a challenge to figure out how to navigate that. And when you add race into the picture, it just becomes even more challenging. Yep. I always say triple whammy. I'm gonna make a record label one day called triple, triple whammy records. Cause I have triple whammy against me, you know, but it's, it's beautiful. I've really embraced it. Like now it sets me apart. What used to be a triple whammy now is like, bro, y'all all sound the same, bro. Like, mm-hmm. You know, now spotlights on me, you know, 10, 10 guys on the bill rapping and then a female goes up. That's every head turned to at least give me a chance. And then a talented, interesting, well-practiced storytelling queer female gets okay, on stage. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> 
I, I watched a few YouTube videos before our interview, and let me hey. just say, damn. I appreciate that shit. It's my genuine pleasure. I also noticed that you did what you called a mini tour in 2019. Yep. And I would love it if you could share the story of why you did that and how you put it together and just what that was like for you. So somebody reached out to me and offered to fly me out to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And I remember being like, what the fuck? Like, they were like, okay, look, we can't put you up in a hotel or anything. But like, and here's the thing. I met them maybe two years prior uh, at Cheer Up Charlie's. And we're like, hey, what's up? She's like, yo, you got to play in Madison one night. And I'm like, okay, you know, you're drunk. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Follow me on Instagram. We friends. Fuck yeah. Right. So -hmm. then two years later, she hit me and was like, yo, I can fly you out. But like, I can't put you in a hotel. Will you stay at my house? I'm like, you got damn right. I don't give a fuck. I don't care where I stay, fly me out, right? Mm-hmm. So it was uh, to play at Queer Fest. So then I was thinking, I was like, how can I make this bigger than what it was? Not that that wasn't big, but I was like, how can I really just make this bigger? So mm-hmm. are you aware of what uh, So Far Sounds is? Yes, I love So Far Sounds. So I contacted So Far Sounds. And I was like, okay, because So Far Sounds is dope because you don't have to promote it. You can't promote it. You know, it's, it's private. a secret show. It's a secret show. So what I did is I hit up San Antonio. I hit up Houston and I hit up Austin and I booked so far sounds in every city in Texas. So now I have five dates. So I was like, oh, man, now this what is this? Now I, I'm calling it a mini tour. Now it's like, OK, cool. Here are these dates that I'm performing at in every city, and it looks like a tour. That's why I was like, I'm going on a mini tour, guys, you know? Mm -hmm. So so here's five places I don't even have to fucking, here's four places I don't even have to fucking get a crowd there. You know, I send people the link where they can get tickets, you know? And boom, I made it bigger than it was. Not, again, not that it wasn't big, but I took that one flight out to Wisconsin and booked shows around it and was like, boom, I'm going on tour, y'all. It's so powerful how you were able to take that one opportunity and leverage it into a bigger opportunity. Fuck yeah. You got to, I mean, again, hip hop is braggadocious, right? You got to, it's, like <laughs> it's like smoke and mirrors. Like it's not, things aren't always what they seem again that was a big thing but i'm performing in four cities that i don't have to book that i don't have to get people in the door at you know like i stretch things out if i only have one performance a month like i just had a slow month i'm fucking taking clips from that whole show and i'm posting them posting them every other week to make it look like this was the funnest fucking night and you missed out and you should have been there Clever. Hell yeah. So did you play just the Queer Fest in Wisconsin or did you squeeze something else in while you were there? No, I wish. I was. I went. What's so cool is I flew there one night, performed, and flew back the next morning. Oh, that's fun. Right? So it just felt... And, and the dates were so close. I really got to experience being tired. I really looked forward to that because like as artists... 
you see people on tour and you see these interviews where they're like, yeah, man, I'm tired. And you just want a piece of that. <laughs> you just want to be like, I want to be tired from shows, you Doing know? something I love. So it was super cool to be like, yeah, I flew and I came back. I'm so tired, but I got another show tonight. Guys come out and, you know, it was yeah. super cool. I think the thing that I love most about this mini tour that you did is you didn't put pressure on yourself to make it some massive production. You just took what you had and you made it a little bit bigger and boom, you call it a tour. And if you really want to, you call it a mini tour. And it's just one more thing that, I mean, it probably gave you valuable practice with booking shows and going to different places and interacting with different audiences. And I can just, I'd love to see more musicians do things like that. I think we put like limits on ourselves, right? Where it's like, it's like we start out grinding and then we get the eyes and then we kind of go back into this like, is this cool? Should I do this? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, yo, I could do, I could go on Twitch for five days out of the fucking month and call it a tour if I wanted to. It doesn't matter. What kind of tour is it? Like, there's no rules. Who said I can't call this a tour? I can do, you know, you can do anything yeah. you fucking want. Who said? What is a tour? I say what, you know, like, that's what I'm starting to learn is like, you, not you personally, but like, you don't tell me what the culture is. I tell you what the culture is. Like, you don't tell me what goes. I tell you what goes. And the other day I had an epiphany and was like, I don't put out a lot of music because I'm a perfectionist. And I drown in that. I drown in perfectionism. And then I'm like, okay, Corey, well, what does that mean? That means you're training your audience to have a perfect ear too. If I only drop perfect music, then when I slip up, they're like, oh, that was trash. It's like, nah, I set the tone. I say this is good production. Mm. You know, I say this is good enough. Not you, not the other way around, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really powerful distinction to make because it is so easy for so many artists to get caught in that perfectionist trap yeah it sucks man it really fucking sucks because i don't know i read this thing the other day i'll see if i can find it while we're but it was like perfectionism or or i don't know or procrastination comes from like kids that had to be i don't know it was like somewhere i was like damn While we're on the subject of music that you release, I was checking out your SoundCloud and I noticed that you have several projects that you put out there and it seems like you have a really active audience on SoundCloud. And then when you go to Spotify, you have, I think, like one one or, yeah, (laughs) like just one One song song out. (laughs) And your like number of followers is really small on Spotify compared to the huge engaged audience that you've built for yourself on Instagram and so yeah it's a, that's here's like such thing. a challenge for a musician <laughs> here's the thing <sighs> I again I'm a perfectionist and it's like my SoundCloud all of those songs are old as shit not old as shit but like two years plus you know uh-huh. and that's where I dropped all of my music it was only up until March did I have a song on all streaming platforms that's why it was so big for me 
And while I know that it's not a good thing to not have a lot of music on Spotify, I know that, like, we know that I should have more, I should be more engaging, like, I should drop more consistently. I think it is very, very important to build an audience that even wants to fucking listen to your music. I'd rather have people say where the music at than you know, then not even have anybody at all. People have all these albums and drop, 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 and you have no response. I built a fan base that gives a fuck about me, not my music. Like they care about my music and they want that, but they care about me first. And I think that a lot of people miss that shit. So the music is coming. I'm not worried about that. I got music out the ass. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I need you to tune in and want to watch my fucking paintings as my paintings that I throw together when I'm high and the music equally. I don't want you to like the music more than me, you know? Yeah. But, I, but again, I am aware. That doesn't mean I don't need to post at all, you know? But I'm working on the album right now. And as soon as that fucking drops, it's over with. Like, it's done. It's done. So top five in Austin. Like, I, I can't wait to be able to talk my shit. Like, I'm, I'm talking shit, but not as much shit as I could talk with an album under my belt, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just talking little shits. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to ruffle too many feathers. But once my album fucking drops, it's done. Yeah. Well, one of the things I appreciated about noticing that is I feel like it's easy for a lot of people to like say they look you up on Spotify or any other indie musician on Spotify and they go, oh, they only have a few songs out or maybe they have like two whole albums out and they have, you know, less than a hundred monthly listeners, let's say on Spotify. And so if that's your only impression of someone, I feel like, I guess what I would love to see is less people dismiss people like indie musicians because of that small like metric right and instead go okay so if this person is doing something interesting and someone told me about them where's the best place for me to interact with them yeah that should be the bar like okay maybe they're not on spotify as much as i and here's the thing i'm aware that like numbers matter like if say i was an a and r at da 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 and somebody was like hey go listen to mama duke and i went I would be so unimpressed with one song that was cool. And I really liked the song, but like what else? But I would love to challenge people to look beyond that because there is some hidden gems out here, you know? It's yeah. like, are we are we just worth one click? Maybe so. But it's, you know what I mean? It's unfair. But again, I should have more fucking music on Spotify. Like at least, <laughs> at least five fucking songs. And it's coming, it's, it's coming. So I always I trust say, you. <laughs> I, I always say I am where I'm supposed to be. And I used to beat myself. I'm 32 years old. I used to beat myself up about like, oh, you could be doing more all the time. We could be more, doing more. Okay, well, the fucking president should be doing more also. You know, like, <laughs> we, Damn we, straight. <laughs> we should all be doing more. You know what I'm saying? But it's coming. Music on the way. God damn it. Cause she in the chicks now. Oh, you got a bag. You get money. 
song you're listening to now is called Mad, and it's the lead single off Mama Duke's upcoming debut album, Ballsy. And you can find that album on all streaming platforms as soon as December 19th. Next when niggas hanging around Man, I'm pulling your car, bitch, and I'm standing my ground Cause when I'm in the cut chilling, no one making a sound My girl be calling me daddy, but she just playing around I think also the thing that I wish more people would recognize As they make an effort to support more indie musicians Is just because someone has like 10,000 streams on a streaming platform Check how many people they get into a show Because that shit is hard Yeah And just playing a song that got put on someone's playlist or that like had a social media ad serve it up to you. That's, that's passive consumption. Yes. Go to a show, pay them money. And this is what I, and I don't know how you base artists, like in my head, nothing matters but crowd control for me. That tells me everything I need to know about an artist. Yeah, you have 100,000 streams. I don't give a shit. I went to your show and people were barely bopping their head. Who cares, you know? I think also the way that the artist approaches the show makes a difference too. Yes. Like if they basically kind of put off the vibe, like I don't give a fuck about you. Like I'm just here to do my shit. Then how do you expect to get fans out of that audience? Yeah. you Because your fans are your customers. Yes. You got to even the person that booked you, you have a, have to have a good rep with, you know, like you want to come, you want them to reach out to you again. Like, oh damn, I'm a Duke. Not only did she rock the fuck out of a show, she was cool as fuck and easy to deal with and promoted. You know, people, pr- people not even promoting shows no more. Like, oh, throw it up the day of and be like, hey, pull up. <laughs> Hell no. <nah. laughs> I'm stretching that shit out. I'm fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. So did this kind of promotion talent that you have, because really you, you do it so well, whether it's a music video or a show or your art, did it come naturally to you or did you like go do some research somewhere and learn how to do this? I think I was always that, like, I was on the yearbook fucking staff in high school. I edited it. Like, people would be like, hey, can you edit my pictures? Like, I was that go-to, like, um, I'm having a birthday party. Can you can you throw the, you know, can you make the invitation for it? Like, I've always been that go-to person. When I went to the um, the Art Institute, it was like, you had to be creative in all aspects okay yeah photography is cool and that's a banging image but what about the text under it what about the you know so I've always it's always been a part of my DNA just symmetry and like does it look good and is the vibe right so yeah that's always been a part of me and then ever since just doing everything myself you naturally just get a gift like it's like okay nobody else is gonna fucking do this and I'm gonna just create a whole bunch of all right shit until it becomes some actual decent shit you know mm-hmm yeah, I mean, you learn by doing, and practice makes perfect. Fuck yeah. So for the sake of other musicians trying to do what you're doing or just, you know, make money and survive doing whatever <laughs> they want to do in the world of music, yeah. <laughs> would you be willing to break down the percentage of your income that comes from performing or merch or sinks or your day job like what percentage is music related income yeah <sighs> well it's hard now because this unemployment is doing me <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> this unemployment is hitting 
let's see. I would say 40% of my income is music related. That's badass. That's enough for me right now. Like people are like, oh my God, when you make it, like, what are you going to get? I'm like, at a better apartment? Like, I don't, you know, like, I just, <laughs> like, I just, want, I don't want, you know, I don't see myself like, oh, I'm going to have, man, I'm going to have cars and do, do, do. And it's like, I literally want the dopest, dopest fucking loft downtown Austin. Bill, bills paid. I'm fucking great. You're talking my talk. <laughs> I, that's all I need. That's it. That's making it for me. Bills paid in a loft, done. Mm. I really appreciate you saying that because I feel like even 40% of your income from music is a hard threshold for many people to hit. And also, it's it's a brave new world out there. Literally, there's no gatekeepers anymore. Whatever you want to create for yourself. Sorry, that's my birth control alarm that's that <laughs> hey hey you gotta leave that in because this is real this is real shit <laughs> all right just because you said it i will leave it in <laughs> but where i was going with this is i just i feel like we need to normalize having a diverse life and even if music is the thing that you care about most in the world like don't put the pressure on music to bring in all the income or to live like some big celebrity Drake level lifestyle. Like it's just not going to happen. We're not going to be Drake. Sorry to whoever's watching this. You're not going to be Drake. You know, I think I'm the dopest fucking artist in Austin. Still not going to be Drake. Like I don't, And do you even want to be Drake? Is Drake Drake? You know, like Like, do you want to live in that big of a spotlight all the time? Like you just don't want to, you know, Somebody told me there was this artist that is doing pretty fucking well for themselves, songwriting and releasing music and dropping merch and has a decent fan base here in Austin. And they were like, I was like, man, I can't wait to be you. Like, you ain't got no job. Like, this is your job. And like to wake up every day and do music. And she was like, look, let me let me break. Let me break it down for you real quick. When music becomes your fucking job. You do not even know what to write about anymore. It was cool. She was like, I miss coming home with at midnight from work and being like, oh, my God, I don't want to make music. But then you make music and it's the best fucking music in the world. Now you have every second of the day to just write music. You have to be your own motivator. Like your nine to five is your motivation. When you come mm-hmm. home, yeah. you don't want that life. So you're like, okay, let me let me get this, you know what I'm saying? Let me get this energy out of me. That's where the best music is. So ever since then, I was like, man, I'm not going to complain about my nine to five. Like, sure, it sucks. Sure, I want to do music. Sure, I don't want to fucking be here serving people and getting people fucking straws, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but... It's like, it is what it is. Like, it is the grind. When I go home, I'm more thankful for my little time that I have with my girl or my dog or to make music or to chop it up with my friends, you know? Yeah. It's a powerful distinction. And I'm very impressed that, well, yeah, impressed and pleasantly surprised that this role model of yours in Austin had that perspective because oh, there yeah. was a time where I literally, like, I dropped out of school. I had the most low, like, involvement 
required from me job I could possibly have. And I was like, okay, I've got all this time to just work on music and like, I'm going to make a record and I'm going to play shows all the time. This is just like what I want to do. And turns out the constraints, like I I need constraints in order to be successful and get shit done. Otherwise it just all goes down the drain. Yeah. If you leave it up to me, I don't want to do shit. (laughs) I don't want to do shit. That's why I know I'll always have some sort of like nine to five for the rest of my life. I just want that. Like maybe the nine to five isn't a fucking barista, but like my nine to five is pulling up to the radio station and from da 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 to da 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 da, I'm on air or, you know, the the nine to five photography or whatever. Enjoy. Hell yeah. And I just want to say to the person that dropped that knowledge on me, it's like that was her being authentic, just going back to being authentic. She can make that. She could have romanticized the idea mm-hmm. of not having a fucking nine to five. Like, hell yeah, you know, you'll get there or hell yeah, it is fun. And, and it probably is. But it's like she was like, look, bruh, don't she even real with you. Yeah, don't even wish for this life. And that's why it's just important to be fucking real with people, man. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to me and being real with the listeners so that they can learn fuck yeah and shout out harvest my guy um for this link you know what i'm saying it's a full circle i appreciate you man yeah i appreciate harvest introducing me to you so (laughs) i look forward to hearing more music from you and once all this quarantine shit goes away hopefully getting to see you we'll drink a chai or something in person something yes (laughs) hell yeah please check the show notes for links to find mama duke's music social media and all that fun stuff one last thing before you go today there are techniques strategies and routines that work best for different people With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. What kind of audience are you building? One that loves your music, but that's the only kind of content they want from you? Or one that's here for the long haul? An audience that stays with you while your music evolves over time and is excited about the other pieces that make up who you are as an artist?